Wow. Welcome back to Bridging the Geekdoms. Now, we are here to talk about chapters one and two of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which just dropped the other day. If you didn't know, this show was absolutely my most anticipated show of this year, and quite possibly my most anticipated Star Wars project since 2005's Revenge of the Sith. Now, getting into this, Kenobi has been my favorite character since the prequel trilogy. Possibilities of this show being such an emotional powerhouse has just been so intriguing to me. These first two episodes, graciously released simultaneously, gave us so much to chew on. The beginning of this show starts off perfectly. It's kind of a, if you've missed it, you know, little review or overview of Kenobi's story. It gives us bits and pieces of the prequel trilogy. And I, you know, I, I really wish they would have done some things from the Clone Wars even. I know it would have been weird intermixing animation in there, but I think that that would have been really cool to do. Could have been a gateway for a lot of people who haven't watched the Clone Wars to kind of dive in and check it out. But I digress. It was an excellent way to start this show, just seeing everything that was important to Kenobi from episode one, episode two, and episode three, and then jumping in to this first episode here. Now, this first episode really does focus a lot on Ben Kenobi, and I think that's done perfectly. And one thing that's really interesting that I noticed is it almost did the same thing that The Force Awakens was trying to do, showing Kenobi on this planet, working day to day, and where Rey in the sequels kind of felt like there was more out there. She was waiting for her family. This here, Kenobi, he knows what's out there, but he's simply waiting there for Luke to come of age. So it's really interesting to see how made that story a bit better than what we got in the sequels. Some of the things highlights from what we've seen in this first episode, especially with Kenobi was him, and this is something I was really looking forward to, him suffering and holding in all of the anger and fear, resentment towards himself from what happened prior to getting here. He, he has nightmares about losing Qui-Gon, about losing Padme, about losing Anakin. He's going through this realization that everybody he's gotten close to, he has lost. And I think that's really important. And that's why it's also another reason why I wish they would have shown some Clone Wars because of Satine. But that we're, we're seeing him struggle with loss, which is really interesting. While they highlight this, they don't just let you know, hey, this is what you need to focus on. He then tries to speak out to Qui-Gon, but you can tell that he's more disconnected from the Force than he has been in quite some time. And I think that that's probably why he's unable to actually contact with Qui-Gon at this time. We do see later on in the second episode, has to reach out with the Force and actually use the Force for the first time in forever it probably is. And when he does it, he struggles with it. I think we're going to start seeing his connection to the Force grow once again. And that's going to lead us to seeing Qui-Gon in this show. I, I, I know it's rumored and speculated that this is going to happen, that we're going to see Qui-Gon. But I think, I think it's at this point, with how much they focused on it in the 
what you've missed or previously on him calling out Qui-Gon's name and asking for guidance and now him getting back into utilizing the force I think it's pretty simple now to know that that's what's going to happen we don't get a lot of Luke which was kind of shocking to me I thought that we were going to see a lot more Luke and even have more interactions with him I do really appreciate what they're doing with Obi-Wan him watching him from a distance and even he drops off a T-16 Skyhopper model which I thought was fantastic. Now, Owen, on the other hand, he's trying to protect his family. And Luke, to him, is his family. That's his son now. When he sees that T-16 model, he throws it at Obi-Wan's feet the next day and like, stay away from Luke. Stay, we don't want anything from you. And we've seen this in the previews about how he wants, he's like, look, Owen, we've talked about this. When he's old enough, he's to be trained. And Owen's like, no, no. He's Owen's like, no, just like you taught, you trained his father. He's more talking about the idea that not only did he train his father, but he killed his father and he doesn't want to see him train Luke, make the same mistakes and then have to kill him as well. It's really impactful when you start to really dive into a lot of the layers that are in this show, which is something I really hope that they would explore. And they are, thankfully. We also get Leia, which I knew was going to happen. That was rumored for quite some time, but I didn't think it was going to be like it was and i don't hate it i love seeing alderaan i think alderaan is a beautiful beautiful planet and I, I love that we're able to explore it now the fact that she is so headstrong like her mother and her father and the fact that you see her becoming the woman that she becomes in the original trilogy i think is fantastic even at a young age of 10 years old she's showing the characteristics of who leia is the one the, the leia that we grew up to love and appreciate with all of these films. The Inquisitors, that's another thing in this episode. The Inquisitors are really interesting because we do see the Grand Inquisitor. Then we see Reva and we see, I believe it's the fifth brother. I, I, the, that all confuses me, but regardless, we do see a few Inquisitors. And I really, really do like what they're doing here. Reva, who is a former Jedi, who in the beginning of this episode, which I thought was phenomenal, we opened up with the previously in Star Wars. But then it opens, the show opens directly up with Order 66. Just another angle, another view of what was happening at the Jedi Temple. We see a bunch of younglings, one of which I believe was a young Reva. And I think we're going to kind of dive into that later on in this season. I know there's only four episodes left, but I think that's going to be a main beat that we hit here because Reva is so angry. She's adamant on catching Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's trying to prove herself to the Grand Inquisitor, to Darth Vader. That's what she's trying to do. But why? Why is she trying to prove herself? Because she was on the run for quite some time. She's a relatively new Inquisitor. So why is she trying to prove herself now, especially when, like I said, I'm pretty sure we saw her in the beginning as a Padawan during Order 66. So what is it? Why is she trying to prove herself? I am looking forward to that. And this is one aspect a lot of people are complaining about is Reva and how She's not the kind of character that they wanted her to be. And I feel like we're going down this same path that we went down with, with Anakin in the prequels. This is how the character is written. This is the way the director wants Reva to be portrayed. If you're going to ask me, I think it's being done perfectly. I actually really enjoy her character because she's more menacing than these other Inquisitors because she's unhinged and you don't know what she's going to do. And I really, really like that. She is so driven by this wanting to be accepted that she'll do anything she has to to get Kenobi. 
And I really, really do like that about her character. Now, the first episode pretty much ends with Leia being kidnapped by some bounty hunters who Reva is actually hired because she saw in the archives that Kenobi was close to Bail Organa during the Clone Wars. And she believes that this will be a way to get him out of hiding and for him to go save Leia. That I know that there's some people who complain about the way the chase scene went down with Leia and the bounty hunters. Look, she's a 10 year old. There's only so much you can do. And it didn't take away from the enjoyment of this episode. Now, ultimately, Bail Organa and his wife do reach out to Kenobi to help find Leia. He's reluctant at first, so Bail goes to Tatooine, finds Obi-Wan, and convinces him he needs to do this. Kenobi, he's reluctant because he feels that he must stay there to protect Luke. But Bail knows that it's his failures of his past that are holding him from going on one last adventure. And when he says that to Obi-Wan, it kind of opens up his eyes and he's, he realizes Bale's not wrong here. The one thing I forgot to mention here was the Jedi, the, the other Jedi that was being hunted on Tatooine. And there's a moment in this episode that's actually really impactful because he finds Kenobi and he says, Kenobi, I need your help. And Kenobi tells him, no, we've lost. The Jedi have lost. It's over. Go bury your lightsaber. Go into hiding. But he refuses to do that because it's not the Jedi way. He does get captured and killed by the Inquisitors and then hung by his arms in the town square, which was just absolutely menacing and terrifying. But Obi-Wan goes, he digs up his and Anakin's lightsaber that he buried in the sands of Tatooine, and he goes off to save Leia. Obi-Wan does make his way to the planet where Leia is being kept. Bail Organa kind of figured out where it could be, so he sends the information to Obi-Wan. He goes there. While walking in the streets, we do get our first surprise cameo of a clone trooper played by Tamora Morrison. And it's kind of heartbreaking because he's begging on the streets. And not only that, he's still in his clone armor. And he's holding his helmet out for just money. He's, he's panhandling. It's pretty heartbreaking. And he is wearing 501st colors. So it's a wonder, does he recognize Kenobi there? While he's there, he does come across a character named Haja, who is played by Kumail Nanjiani. And he's a con man. He says he's a he's a Jedi, but he uses magnets and switches to make it look like he's a Jedi. Obi-Wan calls him out on his crap here, which I thought was great. But he's still, even though he's a con man trying to make money, what he's doing is actually admirable because he's saving people's lives. And because of that, he does help Kenobi while he's still looking to get money. He still helps Kenobi find out where Leia is, and he helps later on as well. Kenobi gets there. The, the trap is sprung. <laughs> it's realized that this was a trap. The bounty hunters uh, corner him and they start telling him that it was a trap. Well, as cunning as Obi-Wan Kenobi is, he finds his way to get out of that and he goes and finds Leia. And I love the interaction that Leia and him have because she, like I said before, she is this character who you can see the characteristics of her becoming the Leia that we know and love. And she's not trusting of Obi-Wan at that point in time. Obi-Wan is here to save her. When you then think about what happens in A New Hope, when Luke goes and saves her, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. She goes, Ben Kenobi? And then they go off. I just, it, it makes sense. There's a, this lovely parallel to things. And I love the way that they're doing that. They're on the run during this time. And, and Leia the entire time is, is not completely trusting Kenobi and asking him a bunch of questions. Is he a Jedi? Is he not a Jedi? Are you really a Jedi? All that kind of stuff. She gets so untrusting of him that she actually runs off at one point. When she runs off, all the bounty hunters are now 
on this planet looking for Kenobi because Reva has shown up and realized that she got away from her bounty hunters. The Grand Inquisitor shows up, tells Reva to just stop. This is not your job. We will capture Kenobi and we'll deal with you later. But she goes behind the Grand Inquisitor's back, hires all these bounty hunters to go out and find Kenobi. What's really interesting about this whole thing is this is where Obi-Wan taps back into the force whenever he has to save Leia from falling. And it's a very impactful moment because you can tell he's so reluctant to do this. This reluctance is coming because of his fear from what has happened prior. It's a very emotional scene that I don't think people are giving enough credit for. So when he saves Leia, Leia now is realizing you really are a Jedi. And now she begins to trust him. Haja, played by Kamehameha Nanjiani, comes back into it and kind of gives them an escape route. And, and they go off and they go to escape. It's when, when they're near the ship here to escape, this is where everything just became so emotional. For me, watching this, it was an emotional roller coaster these last like five minutes of this episode. Kenobi starts to realize how much Leia is like her mother. But the way that he says it, you remind me of somebody I once knew. And obviously we're all thinking it's Anakin. But when he goes, no, she was a good friend that you know has passed away or, or what have you, it hits you because you're like, he's talking about Padme, who was a good friend of his. Beautiful moment there for sure. 100% nailed it, perfect. Everything about that moment was superb. But then Reva finds them. And while Kenobi is hiding, because he's still refusing to fight, he even pulls out his saber but doesn't ignite it. He, You can tell he's uneasy about even holding it in his hand at this point in time. This is when he learns that Darth Vader is still alive. That Anakin Skywalker was not killed by Kenobi on Mustafar. And the look on his face, the fear just pops back up because for years he's been dreading and having nightmares about the moment that he had to kill his brother. But now knowing that not only did he not kill his brother, but he failed the mission he was sent to do all those years ago. Again, Ewan McGregor just does a fantastic job at this point in time. The really interesting part is the Grand Inquisitor comes in and Reva kind of stabs him in the stomach. And we do know the Grand Inquisitor it comes into play in the Rebels cartoon. So we know he's probably not going to be dead here. But it's an interesting aspect and thought of what could be going on at this point in time. And and again, it's it's showcasing her unpredictability, how unpredictable she can be in getting what she wants to prove herself to everybody that she needs to prove or wants to prove herself to. And then the final scene is of Obi-Wan and Leia getting away on the ship. And we're looking at him and him just saying Anakin's name. And we see Darth Vader in a back to tank. It's just so powerful and emotional. I, I gotta say, I, there's not a moment in these two episodes that I sat there and said, man, I, I didn't like this. I think Reva is absolutely brutal. The way she's portraying her, I think is great. I, I be damned those who say she's not doing a good job. I think she's doing great. Moses Ingram, keep it up. Loving what you're doing. Overall, if this show stays going this direction for the next four episodes, this emotional roller coaster that we were on here, I can't even imagine how we're going to feel in the final four episodes or four chapters of this show. I am curious on how they're gonna play off the whole Grand Inquisitor being stabbed thing. I wanna see more from Reva. I wanna see how she became how she is. I didn't think I was gonna be into that character. I think me more than most people, I, I'm really into what they're doing with her and, and I really wanna see what they do moving forward. With all that said, I know I can't wait for next week. Can you wait for next week? I mean, it, it, luckily we don't need to wait a whole week because it is coming out on Wednesday, but let us know 
your thoughts down below on the first two chapters of Obi-Wan Kenobi. What are your expectations of the rest of the season? What was it that you liked, what you didn't like? All that jazz, throw it in the comments below. Make sure you hit that like button, hit subscribe. And with all that said, everyone, may the force be with you.